My name is Michael Strumsky, and this is my podcast, People More Interesting Than Me. Each episode, I'll interview a person with a different background to try to understand what circumstances, family, or tragedy has made them into the individual they are today. Enjoy. This week, I talked to Dr. Amy Elliott. Dr. Elliott is a mother of two and has a PhD in mechanical engineering from Virginia Tech. She placed second in the Discovery Channel's engineering competition show, Big Brain Theory. Currently, she works at Oak Ridge Laboratory on the verge of 3D printing technology. More recently, she was featured in the If Then She Can exhibit on the DC Mall, celebrating women innovators in STEM. Hello? Hello, how's it going? Good, how about you? Doing all right, end of the day. Just went through all of uh, Big Brain Theory in the last like two days. Those oh, did episodes. you? <laughs> but the it's funny thing is, yeah, it was in 2013. So it's just like you've kind of, you're totally past it now, but. Well, cool. Yeah, it's and I was actually like, a, I felt like it was a good show. Like being in it, it felt like crap. But then the way they, you know, the way they edit, you know, it makes it it's like, oh, yeah, that was exciting. You know, like at the time it was not exciting but afterwards like oh you know what that was pretty cool so um i was glad the way it turned out i'm really lucky that they made me look good because <laughs> you know you never know like sorry i could talk about this forever but like you know Guy, i know you you can keep going yeah that's the whole point <laughs> okay so like he is like amazing person but you know said the wrong things to the wrong producer in front of the wrong producer right and they just like ran with it um and he just came out like not not that great sometimes and so like i was just really glad that you know i'm sure there were things that they could have you know really highlighted that i said yeah <laughs> but they chose to make me look like the good guy so at least at least when i watched it that's what i got oh yeah no problem i mean i think my favorite part with you obviously i was playing favorites because you're you're doing this favor for me but my favorite part was the part where you told dan the bit was basically like friction I mean, welding yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, well not not the welding the the part with i think it was either the the drill press or the chuck and it was overheating and the bit was like messed up and you just went in there and you you basically said, get out of the way yeah which i was just like <laughs> that is awesome like if it like a guy did that too there would have actually been a fist fight like an engineering, engineering Probably, fist, yeah. which i haven't seen before yet so that's true yeah and I, and I, I'm also an engineer from Virginia Tech as well. Uh, um, and I actually used the uh, 3D print, uh, the vendor when it was the in. Vendor? It's not I, Randolph, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, it was, was Randolph. It's probably the new one by now, but we uh, got the nickname Dream Crusher, by the way, when the first, <laughs> oh, the first of, one came out mm -hmm. because it was like the first one and we just did not have all the kinks worked out obviously because it was never used mm -hmm. until then so yeah that's it was, that's our inside joke is like we made this great thing called the dream vendor but then i got the nickname dream crusher because <laughs> people stick their files in and get spaghetti out sometimes and, and what was that on i know it was like one of the first commercially available 3d printers what was that it was the uh Oh, what platform were you using? Yeah. The MakerBot thingomatic? The Maker. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I was like, I mean, it was 2000, what was it like 2011, 2012 when that thing had come to Randolph and I was just in awe that it was open to anyone 
And yeah. nowadays it's just like you go to your library and you can do that, which is which is amazing to me. And a lot of people you I mean, why am I telling this to you? You know, you know all this. Um, <laughs> no, so let me let me introduce you first, because I like to little do a little talk before today with me. I have Dr. Amy Elliott. Her resume for an engineer is pretty astounding. However, she also has television um, experience. She's been on multiple shows. Uh, more recently, you've been on the Science Channel's uh, The Outrageous Acts of Science. And you're kind of like a, not a guest speaker, but what, what would you call it? Uh, expert commentator, I guess. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah, you've been doing that for like at least the last five years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But let me, let me, before I forget this, I think the title could have been better. I know they were trying to capitalize <laughs> on uh, Big Bang Theory because Big Bang Theory was huge back then. But yeah. I think the title would, because whenever you say that to people, then they kind of roll their eyes. But I'm like, I roll my eyes. Just so you know, like when I applied to the show, it was not called Big Brain Theory. It was called Top Engineer. That's the show I applied to. And then once we had packed everything up, signed the contracts and moved to L.A. for the seven weeks of filming, they changed the name on us. And there was nothing we could do. So we're just like, all right. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm with you. Like big brain theory. They, I guess they, they told us like they didn't think that people would want to come home and watch a show about engineers, which I think is weird. But I guess there's some logic to it. Um, but like my mom it was really funny because my mom went around telling everybody that her daughter was Amy from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> and that is just so like, confusing. <laughs> I was like, Mom, you have to, you have to really, really differentiate that because, like, anyway, it was, uh, anyway, it was, it was interesting. Oh, yeah, now I'm you, with you. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible yeah, name change in my opinion. I think there was one interview with one of the the judges or somebody else, and they were explaining something, and I was like, that could have been the name for the show, and it was just like, I, I don't know, it was like next top innovator or something. Yes, exactly, yeah. next top innovator, yeah. and I was yeah. like that. That's perfect because it, in my opinion, I don't think engineers, because you can be an engineer, fabrication and engineering should go hand in hand, in my opinion, because you don't really, Same. I'm, yeah. I'm at a job where um, you have, we have all the stuff on site, as I assume you do, where you need to know how it's going to be made and fabricated in order for its application. You can't just, in my opinion, send it off to someone and just be okay with that. But yeah. that's just my thinking. I'm but yeah, you. you you place second place, which was awesome. I, I know you said that uh, there's a lot of uh, politics that go into it, but I mean, everything that you guys are doing and you were doing specifically, like I was talking about with the Chuck and Dan, but uh, I really enjoyed the last two days of binging on it. It was amazing. So thank you very <laughs> much. My wife enjoyed it too. She's not, honestly, if she would have had STEM programs earlier on, because there's some things that she sees that I don't because I'll call her there and be like, why is this not working? I'm the electrical computer guy and she's like the mechanical problem solver. Yeah, yeah. It's an intuition for some people, for sure. Some people are just mechanically minded like that, for sure. Yeah. Too many tangents, but um, and also you are in uh, if then she uh, can exhibit. Um, that is amazing and scary at the same time because of those uh, life-size resin statues that you had all over. Well, you don't live in DC, but I do. So it was just funny to see them all around because you're like, there's got to be some type of meaning behind all these gigantic orange statues around. 
Yeah, like what my neighbor actually was had a trip planned with her family to to DC at the same time, just coincidentally. And she didn't tell her kids that they were going to see me as a statue. And so they just walked up on the ex exhibit. And uh, um, one of her kids says, and I can't get this out of my mind anymore. And he's like, oh, are these cheese people? And so I'm like, oh, great. Like every time I see the statue, I'm going to think, oh, I'm a cheese people. Um, so yeah, like if you don't know the context, like I think it might be a little bizarre, but I think after you see what it is, like it's totally amazing. But I, I thought that was amazing just because I, I had seen that in the Washington Post and I, I was trying to track down some interesting viewers and that totally caught my eye just because of the fact that a what just like you said how is that going to pull out the people so they're going to find out what it means and then i didn't even explain it but if then she can is uh basically trying to promote um stem for young females in the field which i am avidly trying to push going to these classes usually I don't know what it's like in the last five or 10 years for engineering programs, but in most of my classes, they're out of maybe 30 uh, students, there's maybe like two or three females. Yeah, I was the only female in my whole, I think there might have been like one other female in my grade or in my class, like going through undergrad um, in mechanical engineering. So yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice though. Like, I didn't notice until somebody told me. <laughs> I guess I just wasn't paying attention. But yeah, when you, well, yeah. And, but then, like, I don't know. This is a tangent, but like, I guess I didn't realize, um, like, kind of what that costs you being like. So I didn't, I didn't notice because, like, I would, I had no problems finding study groups. You know, everybody's happy to work with, you know, work with the only girl. <laughs> um never had problems with that kind of thing but then like I realized like when I got into the professional world after years and years and years like this last year I finally got a female scientist in my building and we clicked we went shopping together we've had dinner together I go over to her apartment and take one of my kids to her pool like we're BFF and like then like it wasn't until recently where i realized like oh like i actually kind of did miss out on some things um not that i wasn't bff with like the guys and i actually you know married a guy that i went to school with and um but i don't know it was just different it's just like you know would you say it's, networks would you say it's kind of more like shared i wouldn't say trauma but kind of like you have similar things that you guys had to go go through yeah yeah so there's that there's that bonding over like the struggle <laughs> But then there's just the general like ease of friendship. Like, you know, you know this, I'm sure. Like if you have any coworkers that are women, like you can't just go out to dinner with them. You can't just, you know, go over to their apartment and swim in their pool and it not be like inappropriate seeming. That's right? true. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you just can't do that. And so there's just the ease of having like a natural friendship with someone at work. Like just recently I realized what that was, that that was a thing. And so like you know, I guess that's, I guess that's, you know, could have been true there in, in engineering school too, is just like, anyway, this is not like a super interesting tangent, but <laughs> um, it, just, yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting point of view. And that's what I'm trying to get across with these interviews is express like something that finite, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, if we wanted to continue this thought train, just like, 
I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ever like put into words the challenges of like all of the challenges that women have in male dominant fields and just in workforce in general. But like I was talking to somebody yesterday who's, you know, just like a maybe older person not affiliated with where, where I work, just like a other person. But he was talking about how like, yeah, I have these female graduate students who get their PhD, but then as soon as they have kids, they stay home and it's just such a waste. And I'm like, oh, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> like, let me tell you what she went through. Like, not only does she not have enough time to heal her body and get this baby sleeping through the night so that she could get back to work and be a human um, when she was working, not only did she not get that, she probably has a husband who's also in STEM, who's probably making more money than her because of the bias also getting along with his coworkers and has a better feeling of belonging than she does and, 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 and you know, has a, has a better career trajectory than her and, 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 right. Like, and so let me tell you all the things in addition to being a new mother and having the extra responsibility as the primary parent, in addition to all that, there's all of these drivers against her staying. So don't, don't even <laughs> say what a waste because you don't even know, like, yeah, yeah. No, so. I, I totally understand just because my, my wife's like a kindergarten teacher and she basically had the, obviously it's not the same thing, but, uh, she basically came in maybe three quarters of the year during COVID as well, when they're trying to transition from, uh, basically zoom calls to in-person mass and all this stuff, not the same issues, but the transition and not being there and kind of not being shamed, but basically shamed that she had to be pregnant during the school year. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. And that's like, how dare you take extra time off? You know, like your vacation, yeah. you know, maternity vacation. Sorry, I don't want to get nasty. I feel like I'm getting nasty. Now. No, it's okay. It's... Um, no, it's, it's there. Like, I feel fortunate that, you know, for the most part where I work is very supportive. But I work in government and they are extra scrutinized for that kind of thing. I can't imagine in like a school district or a private sector what it's like. So besides uh, uh, school loans, the biggest other thing that's talked about on this podcast is basically uh, I wouldn't say it's the second biggest, but uh, paternity leave, especially I mean, obviously in the U.S., everywhere else, it's kind of like guaranteed. But uh <laughs> So paternity leave, not maternity leave. Or? Sorry, paternity and maternity. I'm sorry. Okay. I was trying to think you of what, what the what the uh, is there a term for leave? that? Yeah, parental, parental leave. leave. Yeah. Well, I now that you've said paternity leave, though, I think we should give the same leave to men and women because then women won't be extra scrutinized, right? Yeah, it's and like an, yeah. And also, you like, why would you leave a woman who is still healing from a major thing? Especially alone? if they don't have support. Yeah, if they don't have support, like they're alone in the house all day, like it's a it's an amazing, beautiful blessing, right? But yeah. I've been through it twice, and there are some really ugly things about it too that are not fun. And it's not, not that it's not a alone. blessing for the first two months. Let's put it that way. Yeah, After that, yeah. then it when, once you have the routine, it kind of levels out. Yeah, once they start being interactive and like they reward you with smiles for all the things that you're doing for them, <laughs> but in the first two months, it's like just this thing that's crying and wanting thing yeah anyway so. my wife hearing this that's exactly what i said i said i think my words were it's a it's a bag of goo for now and yeah. like i need some like reciprocation because you have this thing screaming at you at 2 a.m in the morning 
and maybe it's an engineering thing. You're like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, yeah. I've done, I've done everything like on this list of your needs and nothing is being met. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. You're Let's good. get more on to you. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I was trying to look, I looked everywhere. I even saw the uh, Virginia tech, uh, article that you did with them. And I was trying to figure out where you're from. I'm from Fayetteville, Tennessee. Oh, okay. But if you're from there, it's Fedville, Tennessee. Anyway, that's, that's super confusing because my yeah. brother-in-law lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the lesser known Fayetteville, right? Okay. I think there's other Fayetteville. So yeah. So little, little town, middle of nowhere, um, outside, like 30 miles outside of, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. That's like the nearest like landmark, I guess where NASA Marshall Space Flight Center is. So um, that's, what I, that's what I was going to ask, just because if it was so small, how'd you have a robotics program in high school? But that yeah, kind of well, explains it right there. Mm -hmm. We had engineers um, from NASA have kid, like commute from our town. So we were close enough to commute to NASA, um, Tennessee, um, like income tax. We don't have income tax. So people would live in Tennessee and then work in Alabama and get that like less income tax, I guess, and like cheaper property and stuff. So makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. what was it like? I guess we're growing up there was your your mom and dad aren't engineers are they right correct so my dad went to apparently went to engineering school for a couple of years but um uh didn't didn't stick with it and then um he got an accounting degree when I was in high school so like neither of them like had degrees and he was really good at managing fast food so he did that for a while you know for a long time um but yeah other than that like um you know we would he, he grew up on a farm, so we'd go to the farm every other weekend or so, and um, we bought a Sears store when I was in high school, or we got one kind of, like, handed over to us, and so me and my sister, I have a twin sister, we would put together all the lawn and the garden equipment, you know, we'd do, put the tools away, there's a lot of things, like, mechanical things you have to do to, like, run the Assemble. store, <laughs> Yeah, like, we would move appliances, like, me and my sister, as we were, like, 125 pounds back then, right, like, these little tiny girls could load a refrigerator to pickup truck faster than anyone like and not scratch it and everything and so like we just learned that stuff and then um my older brother um already knew he wanted to do something mechanical he was more on the trades route in high school and so he joined the robotics team with confidence that he knew what that was and wanted to do it but then when he went through the competition he got to go to florida and had all this great experience there was newspaper articles and and so me and my sister were like well i want to go to florida let's just join this robotics team you know and so he didn't like that so he kind of quit when we joined but um he had his own thing going at that point but then we joined and um i got sat down with the design team somehow and like ended up having that aptitude and like really enjoying it like that was the only thing i could think of like i was in all my classes during you know the day like scribbling different designs down and drawing things out and like just really getting into it so so because of that the engineers like i made a little paper doll of like a mechanism i wanted to try on the robot and the engineer like took that exact paper doll and turned it into metal and, like brought it back to me i was just like oh my gosh that is so cool like it's made of metal i stuck it on the robot it worked i was just like i'm sold this is fun they're like you're a mechanical engineer you're going to do this and i'm like okay we're good, you know, I guess the, 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 what sealed the deal was like, mechanic, you know, engineers make a lot of money, so you should do that. I'm like, all right, I want to make money because, <laughs> you know, 
there's like five kids in my family and I knew I needed to pursue something to like support myself. And, um, so that was just like the, I guess not the nail in the coffin, but like the, yeah, the, whatever. Yeah. The thing that, that tied it up for me. So, but I mean, that's great. It's, it's funny how many people's careers are just set off by like one step. And it's, it's funny how silly step it's like one meeting or you wanting to go to Florida, possibly yeah, Disney world. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're mm-hmm. just Florida in general, honestly. But <laughs> yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of explain what, what you're doing at uh Oak Lab Laboratories, like oh, I guess yeah. right now. Yeah, so Oak Ridge National Lab is part of a giant Department of Energy like la- network of labs. Most people don't know this. Um, so you can think of like NASA and all the different NASA centers that are focused on space and that kind of thing. We're a network of research centers focused on energy research. So um, I'm just going to put that plug in there because, like I said, no, most people don't know that. And it's really actually very important to know. <laughs> so we're just, um, you know, giant population of scientists working on lots of different energy problems. We, our main energy uh, focuses on the applied side are transportation, buildings, and manufacturing. So that's like roughly a third. Each of those are a third of our energy profile, roughly. And so I work in the manufacturing arena where we research ways to save energy in manufacturing. And so one of the ways that you can not only save energy on manufacturing, but also make a better product that requires less energy is additive manufacturing or 3D printing. And so um, that's what I do. That's my contribution to energy research is um, advancing 3D printing, getting it to the point where more there's more adoption um so that we can save energy in the long run what's the largest thing i guess you guys are working on just ramping out in the last five years yeah so so um we started so we say large so we start the our kind of so i work at the manufacturing demonstration facility and we started doing large-scale printing of vehicles so we printed like the strati um we printed a shelby cobra um and then we've commercialized that printing technology to companies like Local Motors, um, I'm not sure if they're still around, but they did the they did an Ollie bus, which was 3D printed mm-hmm. electric bus, um, and so that's that's the kind of thing that we enable. Um, but otherwise, like in addition to 3D printing, though, like we have vehicle technologies people who are working on electric drivetrains and working on like you know all this other stuff that has to do with like an electric bus, like battery cells and power electronics and all this stuff. Like we have tons of people working on that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, so we, so, so we do large scale printing and probably like the biggest thing I think, um, in the more recent years is, um, the metal large scale printing. So we'll take like a MIG welder and put it on a robot and then use that welding process to build parts layer by layer. Um, and that's really cool because if you're trying to make like a big cast, a big casting, like a propeller for a ship, um, those like literally take two years to make with traditional. We could cut that down to like a few months um, because we're directly making it. Um, we cut out the whole patterning process that you do with casting. Um, the cooling happens while you're making it, whereas like a casting, you have to give it a, a while to cool. Um, and then you have to post machine. We can do the machining as we're printing. So I think that to me is the coolest, biggest thing that has come out. Um, definitely the most vis- visual. Um, 
Other than that, like on a more like technical nerdy side, we do grain structure control. I don't know if you remember from your material science class, like the grains in a metal determine the properties. So if you think about like, I don't know, when you're ever on like a ski lift or something or looking, you know, metal flashing for like a house, there's that galvanized steel, the metal crystals have arranged themselves okay. into little, like we call them grains. And so it's kind of like grains in a piece of wood, like, you know, you have these grains in the wood, which means like, if you are pulling against the grain, like if you're pulling along the grain, you have the most strength. If you pull against the grain, you're going to split the wood open. Mm -hmm. Metal's not like that. It's not like these linear grains. There's these like circular grains, but like those determine your properties. And mm -hmm. usually you can only control them by heating and cooling the bulk at different rates. And that's it. With 3D printing and some of our technologies, you can change a grain on the micron scale locally. So we actually did this thing where we spelled DOE in grains, <laughs> um, which is phenomenal. Like that is like, to me, people are, you know, 50 years from now, people are going to go to the history books and be like, look, this was the first time they did that. And now look at all these things that have come out of it. That to me is the, one of the more exciting things um, in addition to the large scale metal stuff. but. We, uh, we work on lots of things, like speaking of Disneyland, like we call this like the Disneyland of 3D printing because we have, you walk into our high bay, there's just like all these metal, large metal welding robots just going crazy. We have a bunch of machine tools because we're doing machining of 3D printed parts. We have giant plastic robots. We have big presses that we're printing plastic into and then pressing. Um, we've just got like one of everything, big and small, and it's just really fun. Okay. Any big moments that you had that kind of obviously we talked about um, the robotics in high school, but is there anything that kind of kept you going towards? I mean, you could have just stopped at a bachelor's, but you went on to get your doctorate. You went on to get I mean, you were on a uh, big brain theory while you were getting your Ph.D., right? Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah, how, I was... how, how stressful was that? <laughs> I was very fortunate to have a very <laughs> supportive advisor um who let me just take off uh for half a semester and do this um but uh it was it was fine it was a point in my um like I was almost all but dissertation like I think I had I think I'd actually finished all my coursework and I was just actually writing at that point so it was it was actually a good time in my PhD to do it um but yeah it's like getting to the PhD it's I I don't know like I actually honestly did not know what PhD really meant or like what research really was or why you would do like I didn't I had no like real I guess connection to that world um even when I was applying to grad school but like so I'm not gonna like I I applied to grad school because I didn't want to get a job this is like the truth like I <laughs> like I felt like I had just worked so hard in undergrad just to make sure that I, you know, had done all the extracurriculars I, you know, needed to do and I got good grades and both and 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 like that I didn't feel like I got the student experience. Like I never really went to do like student functions or hung out. Like the kind of my senior year, I got to do some hiking and stuff, but otherwise it was just like crazy. So I was like, I want to be a student. I want to get up and work nine to five yet. Um, and so I had some friends applying to Virginia Tech and I just kind of like followed them like they're like hey you should apply I was like okay and then I like bummed a ride with one of them to the um interview weekend and stayed at you know stayed the night at one of my friend's house who had graduated and gone to Virginia Tech too and so um anyway 
yeah, it just kind of happened that it worked out. Um, so I just feel really lucky that, you know, things worked out and I never had this grand plan by any means to do this. I just kind of saw the opportunity, you know, the opportunity kind of came to me and I'm just glad that I was able to to do it. I mean, I guess you touched on it now that nothing really steered you, but was there any moments that toughened your resolution besides just winging it? <laughs> um, I mean, like, I guess in general, I don't ever commit to things without like serious, like I'm like, I'm not going to like get into grad school and just be like, hey, let me try this out. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to get something out of it. Like, I'm going to either stop at a master's. And that was my original plan was to stop at a master's. But then um, my advisor was like, you, you know, you should go for a PhD. I was like, so I thought about it. And so like, that was, um, I guess, just the opportunity itself. And then just me being, you know, a perfectionist overachiever and like not accepting failure just kind of drove me through. Um, but I know like, there's, you know, grad school is really hard. And like, I don't blame anyone for like not having that resolution because, you know, it can kind of seem like a dead end um, sometimes. Okay. So I'm going to ask my cliche question I always ask. What is something your parents did that, that you like and you're going to pass down to your kids? And what's something that you're, maybe try to do something differently uh, with your kids? Yeah. So my parents were always, were always very supportive, always had our backs. Like if anything, like if the teachers weren't being like nice to us at school or something, they would be there the next day. And like, you know, they would, they had our backs. They, um, you know, I don't know how it worked out, but I never remember being praised for grades or pushed to make good grades we just naturally knew we were supposed to and so like I never felt like that was I don't know like I I knew like they still loved me I guess like that wasn't tied to like their love for me was like my performance so I'm gonna try to replicate that and hopefully it works out like I don't want to I don't want to my kids to feel like they're gonna you know they have to perform to be loved by me um and but that I will I will also say like my dad would often be you know very clear about like okay like are you going to be a doctor a lawyer or an engineer you know a doctor lawyer or um, engineer I guess and so like I didn't know there were any other options so I guess like that was maybe the the actual motivator that kind of subconsciously told me we had to make good grades um, so anyway yeah like I I probably won't do that even though it was very effective for me. <laughs> Um, but I do somehow I do kind of want to almost brainwash my kids to go certain ways. I don't know. There's no good answer, but I think we all do our best and hope that our kids are happy and also not struggling financially. I don't know why, but that, that concerns me too. So yeah, makes sense. Sorry. I'm, I'm very long winded. If I get into a tangent and it's too long, just be like, "Eh -eh," like, tangents (laughs) tangents are what keep podcasts alive in my opinion. Okay. Um, where do you see yourself in five years that could be career wise personally anything um I want a barn dominium with a giant workshop and all the tools and (laughs) maybe a little company where I can hire interns to do all my projects for me that I have lined up um that would be nice obviously you know stay a scientist would be nice to you know do both um I want to I'm starting like this uh kids series for girls in STEM I saw that 2022 Um, this summer right 
Yes, if I can figure out how to publish this thing. It's been a, it's been a journey. Like I've been I've hired a, I hired a hybrid publisher, but then like there was a bunch of miscommunication and anyway, I'm having it I'm probably going to have to do it myself, but yeah, so that hopefully will come soon. Um the book, but then I'm also I filmed a pilot episode of it. Um I might have to say too much about it, but I really hope in the next five years that takes off and I can like the, the series focuses more on, um, not, you know, we need to inspire girls to look into this, but we also, I feel like they need the vocabulary too. Like, I feel like, you know, the concepts we learn in engineering are really not that hard. Like when you add the math to it, yeah. Okay. That becomes complicated. But you can talk to like a young kid, you know, pre-middle school about water pressure. Like, why do you think we have these water tanks up, up so high? Like, that's really expensive to put them up so high. You know, like, why do you think they do that? And you'd be like, well, this generates extra pressure. So it actually can make it to your sink, right? Like, um, if you didn't have enough pressure and then you could talk about, and look, this water hose is pressure. Like, we can talk about engineering concepts, many of them. Maybe there's some that can't do that. We can talk about those two kids in an interactive fun way and then what that does is that makes them feel like these topics are actually approachable to them you know if they learn it on the basic level in a fun way like when you start talking or when they start considering like engineering careers it doesn't seem like this big foreign thing and then also secretly <laughs> i can also educate parents because i know when i'm spending time with my son i have to watch a million hours of blippy because <laughs> that's what he wants to do and we're spending time together and so like I can educate parents too and make that not such a foreign topic. And maybe some of those parents are teachers and those teachers can learn those things. And maybe the teachers can learn the content as, um, you know, use the content as lessons for their kids. I don't know. I just feel like there's this big gap in um, kid like YouTube series and just uh, curriculum where there are concepts that we can definitely teach kids in a fun interactive way that they'll pick up you know there's ages where they're just little sponges and they just want to know everything there's the opportunity to create that content that makes engineering science all of this approachable to everyone and become like more common part of our knowledge base okay and besides enriching i guess early and stuff like that do you see anything that will level or raise the amount of girls in STEM that will flip it? Like any big, big moves or can change that? Big things. I know that's that's a the huge question that. That's that's a huge, like, yeah, it is a huge question. No, I like it though. Um, let's say a woman takes over for Elon Musk, SpaceX, or I don't know, some hit children's series. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the more we, so, so we know from studies that like the critical years are actually before middle school, um, to kind of like indoctrinate them or brainwash them into like considering STEM. So I think the more we embed STEM into like their lives and school in a way that, you know, works for girls. Like, I know I've talked to a few, um, parents of young girls who say like, they just hate STEM, but they're doing STEM at home. They just don't realize the connection. Like they're building things and like, you know, making little devices and engineering things. They just don't make the connection. And so I think we're missing something in the curriculum. Like boys like robots, 
girls maybe not like robots so much. Maybe they like automatic icing robot. I don't know. You know, like no, I get what you're saying. Kind of, them, yeah, like and a middle ground. Like, yeah, I don't want to be like totally sexist and be like girls like this and boys like this. But there is that natural, you know, inclination based on culture, based on whatever. And I think it's important to meet them where they are and be very conscious of like how we um, design curriculums. Uh, to make sure that girls it meets girls needs you know maybe we need to call it something other than stem i don't know but um, that's what i feel like is like we need to really <clears throat> not that's what i think will transform is when we bake stem into their lives in ways that work for them and that's like not a super helpful answer <laughs> no no i honestly i i kind of like the idea it's not technically rebranding but kind of this is going to sound bad but feeding it to the girls in a different coming off a different way like everything's engineering you know what i mean you could come at it in numerous different ways yeah for sure i really like the answer though so because my okay. wife wife i was asking her how do i phrase this because i mean is there one thing we could do to kind of get to that level where it's not an issue anymore mm -hmm. because nobody wants to I, I don't even are there agencies men in in engineering you know what i mean like right yeah. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And I think, you know, like just some other things is like, you know, girls typically don't like to compete. So let's not do robotics competitions. Let's do something else. Um, let's make things more pink and purple. Like let's brand it for them. Like that sends a very clear signal. I'm I'm not gonna get into the argument whether that's right or wrong, <laughs> but I'm telling you, a little girl is going to respond, respond a lot more, a lot, you know, they're going to be more responsive to a robot kit that's pink and purple, you know, like, and has like, you know, it's like a unicorn, you know, they're, they're going to respond better to that. So um, I think just being conscious of that, I know that that feels like you're, you're now isolating the boys, but maybe that's what, maybe that's just what we have to do. Um, yeah, get it yeah. into it and then worry about it down the line. Yeah. <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah okay so i did all the the serious questions so what i do at the end is a lightning round we kind of go 15 questions try to answer as fast as you can they're mostly silly questions there's nothing really serious and i throw some uh how do i explain this uh everyone who wants oh, what's it called uh with the regis philbin who wants to be a millionaire combined yeah. with like edm type music if that sounds cool I love so it. yeah <laughs> so that's gonna that's gonna play in the background uh and i'm going to start now favorite candy as a kid smarties what makes you laugh the most my husband favorite type of book to read this is like genre fantasy fantasy okay. sci-fi yeah I did see that Harry Potter comment you did on Virginia Tech's uh, questions. Love Harry Potter, yeah. Have, have you been there yet? The Universal's yeah. Harry Potter world? You oh, got yeah. your own wand and stuff? I didn't do the wand thing. I didn't know about it until I got there, but yeah. Okay. Uh, did you have an imaginary friend? If so, what was their name? Did not. I had a twin sister, so I didn't need one. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what song would you sing at karaoke? Um, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Favorite chore to do? Dishes. Uh, do you like or dislike surprises? I like surprises. 
aside from the necessities, which is the only thing you could go a day without? Oof, um, my 3D printer. I print it every day. <laughs> there you go. An addiction. Favorite zoo animal? Zebra. How many pillows does your pet, your bed have on it when it's made? Uh, six. <laughs> uh, who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? Um, Anne Hathaway. Okay, that's a good one. Roller coaster, love or hate? Uh, in between. I want, I want to love them, but I'm too old. <laughs> if you had a warning label, what would it say? Uh, no filter. <laughs> what is the craziest thing you've 3D printed? Um, dragon. Okay. <laughs> and last one, worst purchase you've ever made. Oh, geez. Bad, I'll just... bad investment property. That's not, that's not anything. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, that's it, madam. That's, All right. that's the interview. I actually have one. This is a personal question, but yeah. did you get to keep the resin statue? Because I can't even imagine what they would do with it. I know. So they're in storage somewhere because they actually were made like two years ago and they've been other places. They just weren't as cool as the Smithsonian. And mm -hmm. so they do these little pop up exhibits. And so I think once they get all of the mileage out of them that they wanted, I'm hoping they'll let us come get them. <laughs> I mean, that I'm would be like, huh? that would be perfect. Like right when you come in, you know what I mean? Like maybe throw your coat on top. Yeah, like yeah. Me and my neighbor have actually already planned to put it in my front lawn and make it into like a fountain. So yeah. that'll be not awkward at all. Because, <laughs> yeah, that's what I wanted to ask because I was, what are they going to do? They can't do anything with the resin. Are they going to chop it up? They're going to put it, I mean, they could be in, in an exhibit, but I don't know where they would put it. Right. There's too many of them. I guess they could save a couple, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They haven't said anything and we're not actually going to fight over it. So, because it was, yeah, nice to do, but yeah, I'm hoping they'll let us get it. If not, I have my file. I'm building a giant 3D printer in my garage, so I can just print my own. <laughs> yes, I saw that on your Instagram that you had printed a miniature version of yourself. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. But yes, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate yeah, it. Of course. If you like this week's episode of People More Interesting Than Me, please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share with family and friends. See you next time.